Welcome to episode 41 of Comic Book Physics, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This month we're taking a look at electric powers of characters like Electro and Static from Static Shock, in a topic suggested by E. Michael Jones. Now, to look at their powers whether or not they work, we have to ask ourselves, what is electricity? You know, what are electric currents? What's resistance? How does all of this work? Well, matter is made up of atoms, which are electrons orbiting nuclei, whether we view that nucleus as a combination of protons and neutrons, or as a combination of various up and down quarks is actually irrelevant in this context. All that matters is that the nucleus is positively charged and electrons are negatively charged. Damn you, Ben Franklin, for not seeing over a century into the future when you made your arbitrary choice. All those extra negative signs in the math we have to do now. Bottom line, math would have been easier if the actual moving parts, the electrons, had been considered positive. But when Ben Franklin labeled them, Nobody was thinking in terms of protons and electrons. He just recognized that there's two different charges. He had a rod in one hand and fur in the other and just made a choice. So when atoms arrange themselves into solids and to a lesser degree in liquids, they can do so in two different ways. When they form what we call conductors, they're generally made out of repeating patterns, so a type of crystal, but that pattern repeats throughout the entire structure, connecting every atom along the way so that the electrons can pass from one nucleus to another through the connected electron orbits which, as we said, span the entire crystal. Different conductors will have different levels of resistance or resistivity. There's an early model called the Debye model that looks at that, where the idea is that resistance comes from electrons colliding with nuclei along the way. It's a nice mental picture, but if we actually grind the math on it, it doesn't work. And I'm not talking about being 5 or 10% off. I mean, being more like 20,000% off. It's out by orders of magnitude. So it's a nice mental picture. They usually don't tell you in high school or early university that it doesn't work because you need to get into quantum mechanics to take it a step further and figure out what's going on. What actually happens is that electrons seem to have no resistance in a flawless crystal, but because of entropy and the way crystals form, there's always some degree of flaws. And it's those flaws that the electrons have to fight or push through that produce the resistance of a particular material. And that's actually why doping works. So if you stick atoms of other materials into a crystal structure, they can sort of bridge the gaps in these resistances and produce better quality currents. But anyway, that's how conductors are formed. Insulators form closed groups of atoms that are adjacent to each other, which makes it very difficult for electrons to flow more than a few nuclei away. Those crystal imperfections are not occasional things, they are constant things. And that's why the resistance is so high that we say, yeah, this just doesn't conduct. Now, in order to make those electrons flow from one nucleus to another, we need to have a potential difference. I mean, the electrons are always moving at random, and they're always flowing from one nucleus to another. We don't consider it current unless they're pretty much all moving in the same direction. When it's totally random, you'll have just as many going right as you have going left. There's no net change, no net current. But if you have a voltage or a potential difference, you know, which can be produced by hooking up a generator or a battery or something along those lines to your circuit or to your electron path, then the electrons start moving. And if you have a powerful enough potential difference, you can actually get them to move through insulators as well as conductors. So we just need a more powerful source, almost like a bigger cliff to push them off of. Closed circuits are the easiest paths to do this with, as long as you've got something there that will keep the electrons going. So when you put a battery in, the electrons can flow from the positive side into the negatively or the negative drawing side, they flow through the circuit. Once they reach the battery, they 
almost like they have a certain momentum. They can kind of get pushed through, but the way the battery is structured, they can't go back in the other direction. So they keep going through. It's almost like a circular waterfall. They keep on falling and keep on falling and keep on falling and don't actually stop. Another possibility is to set up not a battery, but an electric current, whether it's direct current or what we commonly use in household currents, is an alternating current. So you don't have to worry about having that one-way directional flow and keeping the electrons going around in a circular path because you're changing the direction of the potential difference. So first you move them one way, then you move them the other, but they are constantly moving. Now, if you're going to have powers like electro or static, where you can project electricity, well, then you need a way to set up a potential difference across a specific path through space, or at least a way to have electrons leave one source and arrive at another. Now, these characters can do this while they're in the air, whether they're grounded or not. So they're not drawing electrons from the Earth on a regular basis. It's somehow dealing with just the electrons that are in their bodies. So you have to have a way to do this. So you need one of two abilities, preferably both, to make this happen. One, if you're able to suppress the positive charges on nuclei within you in a controlled geometry, then those electrons will no longer feel that positive attraction and they will repel each other. If you can control the geometry over which that happens, then you can decide how to repel them from your body. Alternatively, or preferably in combination, you can suppress the charge of the electrons on the target so that more electrons are drawn into it. Now this will initially cause a charge imbalance. So one would become very negatively charged, they would become very positively charged. They'd have to pull those charges out of the environment. At least on the comic page, we usually don't see them going in and out. So what may happen is it's a temporary suppression. Once the attack has happened, you release it, and then the electrons return along the same path. So we just see that one bolt connecting the two when really the electrons are leaving Electro, blasting Spider-Man or whatever the target is, and then going back to Electro. Now, doing this is like lightning, but lightning isn't aimed and it's not instant. It's a case where static charge is accumulated over time. So those excess electrons build up. And when they finally have a point where, yeah, it is energetically favorable to jump through that insulating air, they do so. So it's a mostly random path, it needs very specific conditions, and it's rather unpredictable in terms of exactly when and where it's going to strike. You can look at probabilities, you can put it a lightning rod to make it much, much, much more likely that that's where the electrons are going to flow, but even that's not guaranteed. So the way that Electro and other characters use these abilities, they tend to control the entire path. And that's a level of control that we don't see in nature. And they could do it immediately. So it's not a case of them drawing electrical power first, although sometimes there is talk of a recharge time with Electro. But for the amount of energy he dumps out first, it's not a lot. It doesn't seem to be recharging the electrons, more so his ability to force the electrons to go in one direction or another. But by the time you have enough electrons moving to have something as visible as lightning like we see, we're looking at a current that dumps enough energy in the target that it's going to exceed the surface temperature of the sun when it does so. Now, people survive lightning strikes at these temperatures because they're so brief. So there are burns, but they are often but not always fatal. That's not the way these are depicted in comics. It's, you know, Electro will keep hurling the bolts or keep things running on an almost constant basis. So several seconds, which would be much, much more damaging. So in short, electric powers are highly visual. They look great on the page. I'm actually surprised it took five live-action Spider-Man movies before they used Electro as a villain because he works so well visually. In terms of the science, it, it's not just using electricity the way electricity is actually used by technology. It's a different type of electricity that requires 
suppression of charges in the proton and nucleus or in the electrons themselves. And that's not something we can even begin to look at doing. So I would say the science for the implementation doesn't pan out, but you know, I still like the way it looks on the page or on screen. Anyway, that wraps up episode 41. I haven't typically been using episode numbers for these. I'm doing that now because I have a bit of an announcement to make. I've got some new podcasts coming out in 2018 and 2019. I'm looking at the time involved in producing the podcasts and what's going on. And I've decided that comic book physics is going to end in December 2017 with episode 50. If something had to give, that just seemed like the right point. So the X-Files retrospective will continue and as it is probably bi-weekly, but it's going to continue right through 2021. And then there's probably going to be another index show instead of the 20-year retrospective. It's probably going to be a 25-year retrospective starting in March of 2022. Some people will be able to make a guess at what that is. There's also a best in show, which is not an index show, but a series I've got coming out starting in January. We're looking at the best episodes of a wide variety of different TV series. And then in 2019, I'm going to start looking at all the Academy Award winning best picture winners. So those are coming up. Bedtime in the public domain is still going strong. Just looking at the ramp up time to get these done, something had to give. And as I said, episode 50 seemed like a nice breaking point for this. That doesn't mean that there may not be random episodes after that, but that's going to be the last regularly scheduled release. So if you have any suggestions for what you want to see in these last nine episodes, please email them to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. Write and review this and any of the shows that you listen to on iTunes, on Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you use. It really does help the shows get noticed. So all podcasters appreciate that. And finally, thank you for listening.